the Galatians had received the gospel joyfully. And then those that were, they called Judaizers, had come in after they had received the gospel. And then some of them were saying, well, you need to, yeah, you can be a Christian, but you need to also be circumcised. And they say, no, 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 no. You just need to follow the law. And then the others saying, you need to do both. And so they were twixt in between. They didn't know which way to go. And so they were uh, trying to do the right thing. And some of them were getting pulled off course and getting pulled away to what Paul calls another gospel that's not really a gospel at all. And this is just it. This is something that we face today. There are many gospels being proclaimed today that aren't really the gospel. There are those that want to take away from the deity of Jesus. There are those that want to take away from the humanity of Jesus. There are those that want to say, oh, you don't need a bloody cross. You don't need a guy dying on the cross. God loves you. You don't need things like that. And to to people that have those sorts of messages, Paul says, let me get this right. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. Because if it pulls people away from the pure gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ had to go to the cross and die for your sins. You had to receive that for, you have to receive that forgiveness that he has purchased there in order to be uh, given the power to become children of God. And uh, you're supposed to live your life under his lordship. You know, this is one of the things that uh, we miss so much. We can get the salvation part, but forget the lordship part. Uh, and Paul makes that clear when he says at the very end of the passage that we read today, for am I now seeking the favor of men or of God, or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. You see, whenever we die to self and live to Christ, which is what is symbolized in baptism. Whenever we uh, uh, deny ourselves to follow him, that's whenever he becomes Lord. Lord isn't just a, a formal title. It is a practical title. It means that it's something we're supposed to be living out of every day that we have become his servants. We have become his followers. And every moment of every day should be lived cognizant that we have died to self in order to live to Christ. And that's what it means to have Jesus as Lord. That's why it says in scripture that apart from the Holy Spirit, one cannot say Jesus is Lord. Well, there were those that were trying being pulled away. But what I want us to, pri- to really look on and see is that Paul says right in the middle, obviously in another translation, it says, I'm not trying to be a people pleaser. 
No, I am trying to please God. If I were still trying to please people, I would not be Christ's servant. You see, this is just it. There's no way you can be a people pleaser and really be living a life that's pleasing to the Lord. And you're never going to be able to please everybody. There's a truth involved in this that the enemy wants to take and twist and use to bring you down and to pull you away from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's a very prevalent one. And uh, you see, this is just it. We were created with a desire to be liked and to be loved. We want that. We desire that. But you see, the one that we were created to be liked and loved by most of all is God. And then the next one we were created to be liked and loved by or those around us. But God is first. And that is why he's commanded us, thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. That's the first commandment. The second commandment is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. He's commanded us to love each other because we need to be loved. And he always commands us to do those things that other people need desperately. And so he's commanded you and he's commanded me to give to others what we need so much. That ties right into the golden rule, doesn't it? Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. Now then, all this gets twisted somehow uh, along the way into Christians are supposed to be nice people. And as long as I'm being nice, I'm going to be okay with God. And as long as I'm getting along with everybody, I'm okay with God. That's the way it kind of gets twisted. And the thing is, you're never going to please everybody. Jesus obviously did not please everybody, did he? If he did, how'd he wind up on that cross? We're never, and we're following him. He says, if they uh, persecuted me, they're going to persecute you too. We're never going to please everybody. That is a truth. Now, and this, and, and this is just so wonderful that this has come up during the, uh, the season leading up to the election, because we see all these politicians out there trying to please everybody. And you know what they're discovering? You're never going to please anybody, but you can tick everybody off in about a half a second, right? You can tick off the world in just a nanosecond. It's incredible, but you can't please everybody. We've got to accept that, but we were made with a desire to love, to be loved, and to be liked. It's underscored again in uh, the... Uh, fifth chapter of Ephesians, where you'll find there that God commands husbands to love their wives. A woman's deepest need is to be able to share herself deeply with other people. And in order to do that, she has to feel loved. She has to feel safe. She has to feel that somebody has her back. And then men Wives have been commanded to respect their husbands. 
A man's deepest need is to feel like he counts in this world. The one he needs that from more than anybody else is his wife. And whenever uh, wives don't show that to their husbands, their husbands feel incomplete. But it all boils down to the fact that, let's just face it, whenever you're in a place where you're liked and you're loved, you feel safe, don't you? Like we feel pretty safe gathered here this morning because we know that we're liked and loved by those around us. But in the real world, we know there are those, we'll say the real world, in the out, how do you, how do you put that? This is the real world. The church is a part of the real world. Let's face that. But then outside these walls, there's some tough stuff going on and not everybody's going to like you and not everybody's going to love you. And it's not a very safe place to be, but there's always one that's going to like you and love you no matter where you are. And that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so being him, having him as Lord, and this is just it, we come to the place where we realize we can't please everybody. That's right. And so some people, what they try to do is they say, well, there are certain people I need to please. And they will bend over backwards to please certain people. And that's not the gospel either. That's not what we're supposed to do either. It's not just certain people we're supposed to please. And Ricky Nelson didn't quite get it right. Remember Garden Party? You people that are uh, as old as I am can remember Ricky Nelson's song, Garden Party. I'm not going to sing it for you, but one of the lines is that you can't please everyone, so you got to please yourself. Well, that's half right. You can't please everyone. But pleasing yourself isn't what it's all about either. What it's all about is instead of pleasing people in general, your first desire should be to please God. There's a saying I heard 40 years ago, I'm sure, about heaven and earth. And that is, if you aim at earth, you, you get neither heaven nor earth. You lose both. If you aim at heaven, you get earth thrown in. And so we should be aiming at heaven. And there is eternal significance in what we're talking about today. Because if you wind up trying to please people, you're trying to please the wrong one and people become your God. And so I want to move on through this. You know, uh, there are some characteristics of people pleasers, and I want to bring those up to you. First of all, people pleasers take most criticism personally. I'm, I mean, very personally. And uh, let's face it, uh, none of us have an easy time with criticism. You know, uh, and, uh, and, and we all, because we all want people to like us and love us. But let's face it. Sometimes criticism is given maliciously. Sometimes it's given maliciously. And if we let it, it can hurt us. Other times it's not given maliciously. It's given where somebody is just stating in a tough way their preferences and their opinions. And we need to be able to separate those three whenever we are criticized uh, because uh, 
If someone is attacking you with a criticism, you take it one way. You need to watch out for those people. But I have learned that even if someone is trying to hurt you with criticism, the first question you ought to ask yourself is, is it the truth? Is it true? Because your enemies can help you grow more than your friends can. Because your friends aren't going to tell you your faults. They're not going to share with you your flaws nearly as much as your enemies will. And so whenever someone attacks you with a criticism, you don't have to take it personally as, uh, oh, I've got to get even with you or something. But you need to step back and say, okay, is this true? They were looking to find fault. Have they found one? And your enemies can help you to grow. You need to remember that. But uh, the thing is, you can grow from even your enemies criticism. God can take it and use it uh, for good. If it's false, then why should it hurt you? Okay, so either grow from it or just walk away from it. One of the two. Okay, but go ahead and then under try to understand what is the intent and is it the truth? And some people just have a hard time expressing themselves like I, I know. And some people, uh, it's very easy whenever they're giving their opinions for it to sound like criticism. Uh, sometimes it's, uh, it's easy whenever other people say things. It can sound critical when really what they're really voicing are their own desires. And, uh, and you can need to sift through that. But those who are people pleasers, Take all criticism, just, oh, you know, and, uh, and like I say, it's hard for me sometimes standing there at the back and people go out. I remember, uh, for a long time, I've gotten a lot better at it. I can take things a lot better than I used to could. But, uh, when people go out the door and they say good sermon, oh man, that just puffed me up. But when somebody come out and say good service, I say, okay, why wouldn't they say it was a good sermon? You know, why do they not say, why did they do it? Why did they say that? You know, and it would bug me. Oh, what I say wrong? You know, and thing is, thing is that it, 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 it does affect you. You know, you got to, you want to know that people like you and you want things to be well received. But sometimes a pastor has to say things that aren't going to be well received by everybody. Let's face it. There are people that are even in the church thinking they're there for the right reason and they're not. But uh, anyway, that's a whole other thing. But the thing is, uh, most people are, that are people pleasers uh, take criticism very personally. Another, they have an extraordinary fear of rejection because they're going to be drawing their value from what other people think of them instead of what God thinks of them, you see. What other people think of them matters more. And so they wind up having extraordinary fear of rejection. And the wonderful thing is, is that whenever the love of God fills your heart, you really mean it, whatever you sing, though none go with me, I still will follow. Because your approval comes from him. It's his approval that you're seeking not the approval of all those people around you. Another characteristic, they find it hard to express their true feelings. Now, let's face it, 
We do need to be diplomatic and, uh, and you can tell the truth and not hurt people. But sometimes let's just face it. The truth hurts. You know, it does. And it's really hard sometimes. Like I was thinking about this this morning about whenever your wife asks you men, honey, do these britches make my backside look too big? What do you say? You know, uh, <laughs> and uh, anyway, the thing is, I was just thinking about that. I was walking down the stairs and Sharon says, honey, does this uh, does, does it look like I'm just thrown together or does this look okay? And I couldn't help but smile because I was just thinking about, okay, how do you really answer that other question? And, and so I couldn't help. I was, I, I was smiling because I was so relieved that she looked good. And I could say, you look great. You know, I was just, ladies, don't tempt your husbands to lie. Okay. If you, if you can't handle the answer, don't ask the question. But, uh, but, but, but they, it's, they, sometimes you know, they, people do find it hard to express their true feelings whenever they're people pleasers. And, uh, everybody needs to get to the point where they can, in the right way, say what you mean and mean what you say. That is, that messes up so many marriages. Whenever people won't say what they mean and mean what they say. I mean, honey, I know I promised that I would clean out the garage today, but Joe called and he wants to play golf. You think he'd be okay if I would it be okay with you if I went and played golf with him? If that's what you really want to do. Thanks, honey. You know, guys go, don't get inflection. Let me go ahead and tell you that, ladies. They don't get that. You gave him permission. And so just be careful about that too. Men, you need to listen to the inflection. Okay. But the thing is, is you need to say what you mean and say, you know, ladies, what you should say is you've been promising to do this for six weeks and it really needs doing. I can say this because I've got a garage that I've been meaning to clean out for a year and a half. Okay. So, uh, and I keep telling my wife I'm going to do it. And I really am. I really am. <laughs> You know, what was it I read the other day about, uh, let's see here. When ladies, whenever a man says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. You don't have to keep reminding him every six weeks, you know. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, the thing is, there are those that do find it hard to even tell the truth. Even if it's something that they don't like, they're going to tell you that it's okay. And then they're going to just do a slow burn when you go ahead and do it or whenever you go ahead and follow on what they said because they said the wrong thing. And then some people pleasers have a real hard time saying no. And I really hate to bring this up right after Jobeth just said, be ready uh, whenever we call you asking you to serve on different committees and things like that. But uh, the thing is, we do need to learn how to prioritize. And I'd like to flip that around and say that if you have your life so full of other stuff and you don't have time to serve the Lord, you need to say some no to some other things and make room to serve him. He should be number one. His church should take a priority. We've got it to where we give everything priority, but the church nowadays, don't we? I mean, you know, all the 
family activities, all these other things. Well, God wants my family to be happy. So he's happy whenever I'm out doing this on Sunday instead of in church on Sunday. Well, be sure you're worshiping on Sunday, even whenever you're gone somewhere else. Worship on Sunday. Keep that day holy. But uh, they uh, do have a hard time saying no. And uh, so anyway, uh, I want to give you some. There's a book out by Harriet Beaker called The Disease to Please. And let's face it, people pleasing can become a disease and it can become a form and it comes out of a form of idolatry. Listen to what it says in John 12, 42 and 43. But because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. Read this. You have your hand out there. Read this last portion along with me. For they loved praise from men more than praise from God. Let's say that again. For they loved praise from men more than praise from God. You see, whenever you get to that point where you're loving what people think, what people say, more than what God says, you have made pleasing people an idol. You've made people an idol. You are giving them a place above God. And so you need to not fall into that trap. And it is a trap that you, it's so easy to fall into and it can ruin your life here on earth and it can ruin your prospects of an eternal life. In Proverbs, the 29th chapter, the 25th verse, it says, fear of man will prove a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. And that word snare is the word mokesh, and it means a noose. It means for a hook, something that can snare you and hold you, either something that goes around your neck to catch you, or it can also mean like a hook that's put through an animal's nose to lead them around. And here are three traps that can ruin your life and can ruin your prospects for all eternity. And this first one is one that is so tragic. I will compromise for you. I will compromise for you. Young men and young women compromise their values nowadays all the time. They wind up being attracted to each other. And one of them is wanting more sexually from the other than the other is wanting to give. The other one does not want to lose that person. They want to show that person they really care. And so they compromise their values and they give in sexually to that other person. It goes both ways. And whenever they do that, they have lost a little bit of themselves. Whenever you're uh, at work and your boss asks you to lie that and you go ahead and you do it, you have compromised yourself. You've compromised your values. You have valued that other person more than what you know God wants from you. 
you have to be unfaithful to him in order to please these other people. Do you see that? You're standing around at work and somebody starts cracking lewd and crude jokes and you laugh because you want to blend in. They tell a blasphemous joke and you laugh because you want to blend in and you want to be a part of the crowd. Whenever you do that, you wind up putting on a mask and not being the person that the Lord created you to be and that the Lord has called you to be. You're denying your true self, but you're not denying yourself for him. You see, those are the places where Jesus has said, whoever would come after me, let him take up his cross daily and follow me. Those are the times whenever you are called to take up your cross, to die to self and to live to Christ. Whenever other people are looking and you can either laugh or not laugh, you can either compromise your moral values or not compromise your moral values. You can either be true to your Lord or you can try to please other people and blend in. Now, if it means more to you to be accepted by those around you, you've got to ask yourself, is Jesus really your Lord? That is one of the biggest traps that keeps people from being a good witness and can pull them away to the point to where they have put on so many masks and being somebody else for other people that they forget who they really are. And they, you can wind up lost people. You can wind up going so far away that you're not the person that the Lord called you to be and created you to be. There's the, I'll, I will overcommit for you trap. Everybody's burning candles at both ends now. We have to learn to set our priorities as that great uh, philosopher uh, Harry Callahan once said, a man's got to know his limitations. Y'all know Dirty Harry, right? Right? He's the one that said this magnum force. He said that three different times in magnum force. A man's got to know his limitations. We've got to know our limitations. And over uh, over committing in order to please someone to where you're not going to wind up having more to do than you're even able to do makes you unable to do anything effectively or well. And so you need to prioritize and you need to determine who you're going to say yes to, who you're going to say no to, and you need to keep the Lord first and his priorities first in what you're committing to. Does it have to do with the quality of your family and your family time? Is it really going to make a difference for the good in this world? Uh, is it something that uh, you really do have to be a part of? Can somebody, you have to ask yourself all these questions because it's so easy for people to say, yes, 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 and wind up being just totally depleted and have nothing to share with other people. And then there's the, I will let you limit my success trap. I know of one uh, little boy that they moved. He had always made straight A's. 
Always made straight A's, honor student, moved to, he's in middle school, moved to another school. And all of a sudden, he started bringing home C's. The parents started getting uh, notes that he wasn't doing his homework. And uh, this was just so out of character. And so the father sat down with this little boy. Uh, after having tried everything else, they grounded him. They did all these things that parents usually do to try to get their kids to get back on track. None of them worked. The father prayerfully considered, what do I do? So he sat the little boy down. He said, tell me honestly, what is causing you to do this? You're not going to get in trouble for telling me. I'm not going to do anything to you about this at all. I just need to know. And the little boy explained that he didn't like being smart anymore because his friends made fun of him when he made good grades. And he wanted to, he wanted to be, be okay with his friends. The father had to say, okay, now I want you to know, you say that you want to be a pediatrician when you grow up, both the grades you're starting to make now and the habits that you're starting to develop now, these are going to continue on a downward trend and you're going to probably wind up having a hard time being a ditch digger, son. But I want you to know that if you want to follow that trail and if all you ever wind up being is a ditch digger, I'm going to love you. And uh, but if you and you need to understand that your friends are trying to pull you down, you can let them pull you down to their level or you can be who God created you to be. He has given you a great mind. And you need to use that mind. Uh, and, and he want, has great things in store for you. But he wants you to develop those things and to develop good habits like getting your homework done on time and, uh, and, and all these things. And if you do those things and you become a pediatrician, I'm going to love you. But I want you to know from now on, it's all up to you who you're going to be and what you're going to be. Because from this point on, I'm just going to love you. I'm not going to bother you about your grades anymore. If you make D's, I'm going to love you. If you make straight A's, I'm going to love you. But you're my son. I'm going to love you no matter what. But from now on, I'm not going to bug you about your grades. I'm not going to punish you about your grades. But what you're going to be in life is going to be up to you from this point on. The little boy just sat there dumbfounded because all of a sudden the responsibility for his life and what he was going to become was on his shoulders and he couldn't blame his parents for not bugging him or writing him about this stuff. The next semester, the next six weeks, that little boy brought home straight A's. Everything straightened out. And he went on to continue to make straight A's all the rest of the time he was in school. But uh, but you see, he nearly fell into that trap of I will limit my success for you. I will limit my success so I can blend in with the rest of you guys instead of being a leader or someone else that the Lord has called me to be. Well, let me tell you this. This is what I'm sharing with you today is so important because you see people pleasing is idolatry and idolatry is a sin and to willfully sin bars you from God. And I want you to stop and think one of these days, all of us 
are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And it says that Jesus is going to be separating uh, people just like sheep from goats. He says he's going to put the, the sheep on the right side and the goats on the left side. And it says, and I want to get this straight. These, I don't want these to be my words. I want them to be the words of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When he's talking of the goats, of those on the left side, he says, these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Imagine standing there in the line and you see up ahead of you in those sheep and goats being separated. Maybe your boss that had you lie for him. Maybe those co-workers that uh, you laughed at their blasphemous jokes. Maybe uh, someone that you compromised your morals with. And those people are up there and you see them being separated off to the left and going and standing with the goats. And you know what fate awaits them. And maybe as you're standing there looking at that, you may ask yourself, what if I had not lied for my boss? What if I'd said, I can't do that. I've got to please my Lord. What if I'd done that and that pricked his heart and he became a follower of Christ because he realized he was on the wrong track? What if I hadn't laughed at their jokes and they said, don't you think that's funny? And you said, I don't think it pleases my Lord. What if that caused them to stop and think about their relationship with the Lord? Maybe they would have gone over to the right instead of to the left. Maybe out of the witness that I will gave would have put them in the right direction. What if there's so many what ifs and then ask yourself, I blended. If I blended in, did I do that so much? Did I blend in with the world so well that I am of the world instead of of the Lord myself? Which way am I going to go? And you may come to the realization that I have compromised the life that God gave me. And I have done it in such a way that I have barred myself from eternity with him. Let's pray. Lord, we do bow before you at this time and we thank you for pulling back the curtain and helping us today to see this truth that we can't please everyone, but we can always please you. We can't live our lives trying to please others, but living a life endeavoring to please you can make a difference in the here and now in the lives of others. Help us, O God, to be those that live lives pleasing to you so that we can be a light to you and have eternal life ourselves. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.